2: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. VDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Down, Baylor! Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards! Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected! And picked up Losey! He'll take it in! It's a pick six and a touchdown!
1: Fell into
3: the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown! Big return for Crowder! 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback and it's
0: incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit oh, immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's
1: the <laughs> inator Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And we are doing part two of our Jets draft grades and our favorite and least favorite picks from the 2020 NFL draft with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. And our buddy from coast-to-coast scouting, Mr. Clayton Smarslock. So, yesterday we graded the first three rounds of the Jets draft. And we went through our favorite and least favorite picks from the first three rounds. We left off with the Jets' second third round pick, number 79 overall, Jabari Zuniga, the edge rusher from Florida. Then with the first fourth round pick that the Jets had number 120 overall they pick LaMichael P. Ryan from Florida the running back now I didn't like this pick at all and it's not because P. Ryan is a terrible player I just think he's okay there's nothing that he's especially good at there's nothing that he's especially bad at he's just okay I get that he's a fit for what they want to do with the inside zone runs But to me, this is just way too early to pick such an ordinary player like this. I think his ceiling is Bilal Powell, and let's be honest... I like Bilal Powell. I know we all do. He's a solid player. He's fine. But he's just an okay running back. And if that's the ceiling of the guy you're picking here at 120, it just doesn't make any sense to me. There were a lot of players on the board at this point that I really liked. Some of them ended up going in the fifth round, believe it or not. But I just thought this was too early. And to me... He's a dime-a-dozen type of player, fine player, but nothing special, and a little early for me here at number 120. Chris, what did you think of this one?
3: Yeah, I'm going to give this a C- here. Um, basically, everything you just said, I, I knew he was going to take a running back at some point, and I thought that that would be a good spot for them uh, predicting him to take up one. I would have gone with Anthony McFarland Jr., uh, I, I'm a bigger fan of him as a running back, but I get it with P um, I I get it. I see uh, what they're trying to do here, and then you know, obviously knowing with Le'Veon Bell will be here for this season going forward, I see the fit. I get it. I would have either gone McFarland or gone in a different direction uh, with this pick, but I'm not gonna knock it too much. It, it's a fine pick. I'm I'm okay with it.
2: I forgot to mention my grade, but I have the same grade as Chris. It's a C-. Again, not a terrible player, just not enough value for me. Because, again, if you're getting a guy whose ceiling is, say, an okay edge rusher at this spot, that's fine because you're talking about a premium pick. But an okay player at such a low-impact position, I just didn't really like it at all. And I know you disagree with me, Clayton, although I know that you did have a preference for a different running back, but I think you like this one better than Chris and I did, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's another it's another B for me. Uh, it, nothing spectacular, but I think it's still a solid pick. I actually am a little higher. Well, obviously, I'm a little higher on P. Ryan than you. I think his ceiling is closer to like a Marlon Mack type. So maybe like I think he could become like a number one like that shares carries still, but I, I don't think he'll ever reach that ceiling to be honest. But I think that's where he could possibly get to, but I am expecting like a, at least a Bilal Powell career out of him. And as Jet fans, we know like that's still a valuable player to have. And when a running when your number one running back goes down, you can just throw Powell in there, or now Piran, and you just know that you'll get like steady production. Nothing nothing fancy, but he'll just give you everything you need. Uh, he I think he's a kind of like a do it all back. He can pass protect. He obviously can. Uh, he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He caught 40 catches this past season, which is, I, I believe, Nanny put it out there he, that was the seventh most in college this year. So you know he can do that. And he runs in between the tackles, which do, which the Jets are going to want to do this year. Not gonna. I feel like they're going to run in between those guys rather than try to do outside zone. So I think this is a good fit. I, I do like the player. I have LaMichael P Ryan uh, ranked one one fourteen on my board. So, the value is actually, I guess, plus at this spot at 120. So, I do like the pick. I think because we didn't really have that number two running back, I think just fits even more. And he'll be able to learn from Le- Le- from Le'Veon Bell, who is also obviously do-it-all-back. So, I-, I-, I really do like the pick. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Gator fan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think you are, but that's okay. I forgive you your trespasses, Clayton. (laughs) In all seriousness, I agree with you in terms of the fit. I think he'll fit in fine. I just think he's too low-ceiling player to be taking him at this spot when players like that – are so easy to come by in the NFL. At 125, the next fourth-round pick for the Jets, this is one that they acquired in that trade down with the Patriots, they took Captain James Morgan, the quarterback from Florida International, and yes, here on out, it's just Captain Morgan. I don't even recognize his legal name of James. This was a really perplexing pick in a lot of ways. I understand that they want to get A younger backup to groom behind Darnold because they feel like having somebody who's useful at that position can help and you saw that stat cited during the draft. I think the Jets scored something like eight or nine points a game when Darnold was out, but a couple of things there. First of all, it was Luke Falk and not an actual real world backup. And second of all, you could go out and get a much better backup for a reasonable price, and he's going to be able to put some more points on the board than that. I just felt like the Jets have so many needs at so many important areas with a roster that's really weak and there were players that were still available that they really could have used that could have stepped in on day one and helped Gabriel Davis the wide receiver from UCF was still on the board at this point. You also had a Robertson, Roberts in the slot corner from Louisiana Tech who I think has a chance to have a really nice career. Even if he's not a full-time starter this year, remember, Brian Poole is on a one-year deal, and I think Robertson's the kind of guy that could have a Ray Mickens-type career, potentially. Antonio Gandy-Golden, the wide receiver from Liberty, was still on the board. Ben Bredesen, the guard from Michigan, was there. Tyler Biedes, who ended up going at the end of the round to the Cowboys, is somebody that I think could have stepped in and potentially played right away, so... I just didn't really love this one. James Morgan's older, too. I know he had an injury that hampered him last year. I know he's a smart guy, and I know that he's got a big arm and he's a big kid, but this is way too early to take somebody like this, the ultimate luxury pick. And I hate to say it, but there are a lot of Bryce Petty-like warning signs with him. If you look at the traits... And you also look at his age. Now, granted, Morgan is apparently a much more cerebral quarterback than Petty was, but Petty was a better athlete, so it kind of evens out. I hope Morgan turns into a solid backup. I still don't know that it would be worth it at this spot. And I do understand that they liked him, and they thought that a couple of the teams behind them would have snagged him. But still, I would have just let this one go and grabbed somebody better. I'm giving this a D. What do you think, Chris?
3: Yeah, these what I have too, and honestly, I probably go D minus. But I'm looking at this as kind of like the free square when you're doing bingo or something. You 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 leave the draft with nine picks, and I'm giving you one when I'm judging it. I'm giving you one of them where I can just throw it out, like. You get to go ahead and just take a shot at whoever you want. Reach too high for something that I don't think you need or that will really help you. You get to do that at least once in this whole draft. I would still have gone plenty of other directions. I don't see how this helps you this year. You know, even talking about people talking about this as him being a backup, like right off the bat, uh, like you're not comfortable with James Morgan playing at all this year like you know, like at all especially with the shortened off season i don't see how you can possibly be comfortable with that um you know i i get it just on um knowing how the nfl works uh, knowing what coaches like and their quarterbacks uh i i totally understand why he would be the pick there and it makes sense from that angle but it's not something I said earlier that I thought the, the the edge was a little bit of a force. This felt like a little bit of a force, too. But it also made me think like, hey, maybe this was the, the pick Joe Douglas turned to Adam Gase and said, here, this one's yours. Uh, so I don't know. I just there's there's nothing you can really say or do about this pick that's going to get me excited in, in any type of way. So um, I'm just going to stick with a, a, a flat D
2: right here. Clayton, what do you think? Are you as low on this as Chris and I are?
4: Yeah, I was. I was sitting on my couch watching this, and I was like, I, I was so shocked that they actually went quarterback this early. Um, I mean, I get it. Uh, I understand because, especially Joe Douglas being where he's been, like he's had to deal with quarterback injuries in his past stops. Obviously, the Jets—they uh, have Sam Darnold, who's missed three games in each of his first two years. So we do know how important backup quarterback is. But in 2020, James Morgan is no higher than third on your depth chart. Um, and if you're using a fourth-round pick on a third-string quarterback, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but I do get that that's not that's not the long-term plan. The plan is for him to be a backup quarterback for uh, three, four, five-plus years, whatever it is. Um, and who knows, maybe he gets plugged in there sometime, and then they can get a, a higher pick because he plays well in Darnold's absence. But there were other players I would have taken here. Uh, you mentioned Amik Robertson. I liked Josiah Scott. Um, I liked Gabe Davis, Antonio Gandy, Golden uh, Tyler Beadish. You got you got some other receivers that went later on. Bradley and I again. So there were other positions I would have gone uh, I would have gone to because in the fourth round you could still get quality players that can plug and play right away, especially on a team that has as many holes as the Jets. So a little disappointed. I'm going to give this a D plus, um, so I guess I'm technically the highest out of all of this, because I do understand. That, like I get it, and in hindsight, we can kind of look back and be like, "All right, you tell me that the Jets take James Morgan and Bryce Hall in the same draft. If you tell me that Bryce Hall goes fourth round and James Morgan goes fifth round, like okay, it, it makes it a little better." So I'm trying to think of it that way because uh, we still did end up with Bryce Hall, but in the fourth round at pick 125. I'm giving
0: it a D plus
2: with the next pick in the fourth round, their final one, again, acquired from new England. The jets took Cameron Clark, the offensive lineman from UNC Charlotte. He's played all five positions on the offensive line, but projects as a guard in the NFL. I love this pick. I liked it when I first heard it. And then I started to dig in a little bit. And I also researched a little and talked to some people as well. In addition to watching some things, first of all, one thing you notice he had a terrific game against Clemson And if you can put together tape like that against one of the best teams in the country, you know that he can handle the heat. Still needs a little bit of work, some technique refinement, but this is a big athletic dude who I think is a guard at the next level with a little bit of work. Maybe not in 2020, but in 2021 could be a legitimate starter and a pretty good one. He's got a really high ceiling. And this was that second offensive lineman that I was waiting for them to take. I figured they were going to go with at least two offensive linemen. They did it here at number 129. I'm giving this a B+. I can't quite give it an A just because there are some questions about his technique. And he's not quite a finished product. But I think there's so much upside and so many people that know offensive line seem to like him as well, because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I watched a ton of Charlotte. I watched that game against Clemson, and then I went and read some people that really know what they're talking about, like Brandon Thorne, who loved this, and said that Clark was one of his favorite picks of day three. So B-plus for me, a really, really strong pick, and I think this could yield very positive results in 2021. What do you think, Chris?
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you couldn't do. I'm gonna bump it up just just a touch h- higher, and it's in large part like you said. I, I I certainly didn't watch a second of him at Charlotte before the draft. I I, I didn't watch a second of Charlotte games, so I don't know. But I did look and lean on some people who I know and trust with the offensive line. Brandon Thorn is an example, and I did see that Clemson showing myself. Uh, but this is also just a little bit more migrating the process there. As much as I knocked Joe Douglas for not getting the second uh, wide receiver, I will give him credit for the second offensive lineman. And then the, the idea where you're going to be sliding him inside and then the hope, just, just the hope from what I've seen, how uh, strong, powerful, and kind of nasty he is, just the hope of being able to play one day, Maybe not this year, maybe next year, but being able to play him and Makai Bechtin next to each other, that that gives you know that makes my eyes light up, that makes me feel something warm in my tummy, that that makes me think okay, there can be like a, a devastating, powerful pairing there potentially. And if that's what Joe Douglas saw, and then I'm how he went about this draft, how deliberate he was with all of those picks. I'm going to defer to him a little bit there as well and trust what he sees there. So I'm going to go ahead and just the overall process of this, I'm going to go ahead with an A minus on this one.
2: Clayton, I gave this a B plus. Chris gave it an A minus. Do you have it graded higher, lower? What'd you think?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with you, Scott. I'm going to give it a B plus. When they first took him, I was kind of like iffy about it. Cause I do have an early fifth round grade on him. So like the value wasn't like crazy um, at this spot. But I thought there were a couple other guards that I could have – I guess I would have preferred, like Kevin Dotson, for instance, uh, from Louisiana. He was uh, Robert Hunt's teammate. But kind of – you mentioned Brandon Thorne earlier, and he's one of the most respected, uh, I guess, Twitter offensive line gurus out there. And and he loves it, so that kind of just bumps it up for me. And you know that Joe Douglas knows offensive line. So if he likes it, that bumps it up for me as well. So, I mean, I'm more and more comfortable with this. He, Cam Clark was actually – he might have been the very last player I watched before Thursday night. Um, and, obviously, I watched that Clemson game. It was, it was actually incredible to watch. Just seeing him throw people, it reminds us of Mekhi Beckton and what he does, to, not just Clemson, but every team that he goes against. So, and uh, Chris, you just mentioned it. If him and Makai Beckham play yeah. next to each other on the left side, mm-hmm. they are going to punch these defenders in the mouth. And they, I don't know if they're going to want to get up. I really don't. They're just, all they're going to have to do is just hand the ball off to Bell, P. Ryan, or whoever our running back is, and, just throw, and run to the left side. And they're going to run some people over. I'm, I can't wait for it to happen. I, I hope it works out for Clark. He does have some things he has to work on. Uh, he does get penalized quite a bit. Um, I'm just reading here. I, I don't see that in tape. I see it like on one of his weaknesses on NFL.com. He does uh, have a high penalty rate. But I think for the most part, it's going to be a good pick. It's not going to be a 2020 uh, plug-and-play, but I can see him starting in 2021 because, I mean, Alex Lewis, he could be he could just be gone after next year so. I do like the pick. I'm giving it a B B+.
2: In the fifth round, number 158, the Jets get Bryce Hall, the corner out of Virginia. He was a guy that easily could have gone in the third round or even the fourth, but he slipped because of an ankle injury. Not a tremendous athlete, but very instinctual, always knows where the ball is going, physical too. Plays good in press coverage, which is perfect for what Greg Williams likes to do. A leader too, two, he was a captain on that defense. And he's going to be hungry and eager to prove something after falling down the board. Terrific value here at number 158. I wanted the Jets to take him with one of those fourth-round picks, actually. And so for them to still get him here at 158 feels like a real win for Joe Douglas. I think he comes in and immediately will compete for starting reps at corner because the only one that I think for sure is penciled in as a starter is DeSeer. And he's injury prone, so who knows exactly what's going to happen there. Even if DeSeer starts the season as the starting cornerback, it's very possible that at some point he ends up getting hurt and can't play. And on the other side, it's still up for grabs, and there was another addition there that we'll talk about in a bit. But this one, to me, at this value, at this point in the draft, I'm giving this one an easy A. What do you think, Chris?
3: Yeah, I'm giving this an A+. Plus, and I, it's just if for a similar reason as the Mims pick. I Just like you, I was sitting there saying, all right, at, what about Bryce Hall for those fourth-round picks? Uh, he was still on board. And just the value of getting him in the fifth. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the ankle injury and the ankle surgery, and I think this is – he's – I talked about this a lot uh, leading up to the draft that I thought you know you might see a certain GMs pass on certain players and not being willing to take certain risks on certain players injury related and in some uh, instances we saw that didn't matter like Van Jensen, Jefferson ended up going higher than we thought uh, but I think that that might have played against Bryce Hall here because if if he was didn't have the injury at all he would have been much higher in my opinion um and not just my opinion i think at least most of the draft community is on board with that but if he could have at least been looked at and evaluated then he probably would have gone at least a little bit higher and obviously they have the tremendous need at cornerback at this point in the draft it made all the sense in the world and if he didn't take him there i would have really been like what what is going on why aren't you doing this uh so I just think it's a perfect place for him. He's going to get the work. He's going to get the reps. He's going to get the chance here. And I think he can, you know, like like you said, he's not a top-end uh, athlete when you're talking about CBs, but I, I think that gets overblown sometimes when we look at CDs. And I, I think he can be really good going forward. He's not going to, you know, turn into a Revis or a, a top-end elite like that, I don't think, but he can be really solid. And to get him at the fifth round, somebody that uh, – <laughs> that good and talented I, I think that's a steal for him So again, grading the process here And I think the way that Joe Douglas Went about getting him was perfect So A-plus for me
2: Clayton, I know that you had mocked Bryce Hall to the Jets in the third round A couple of times So you must have loved the value here I'm guessing that you're on board with Chris and I Giving it a very high mark
4: Yeah, absolutely I, I'm also giving it an A-plus Second A-plus of the draft uh, I actually have him rated higher on my board than both Ashton Davis and Jabari Zuniga. So you obviously know, for in my perspective, the yeah. value here is amazing. Uh, Bryce Hall, he, he could have possibly been a first-round pick in the 2019 draft if he entered. So he went back, obviously got injured, broke his ankle, uh, grew some injury, and then followed all the way to the fifth round. I would have taken him in the third round if we needed to. I would have been more than okay with it. I thought I thought that value would have been okay, but to get him in the fifth round, it's it's incredible. You can possibly get a starting corner in this spot just like we did with maybe Blas Sostom, that still remains to be seen. But if you can get a starting corner in the fifth round, that's a home run pick. And what makes this even better too is like he fits Greg Williams' scheme perfectly. Like he's a he's a long, lengthy corner. He's not the fastest guy, uh, unfortunately. Like obviously, because he had, broke his ankle, we couldn't see him at the combine. Uh, But he's not the fastest guy, but he will get in your face and he will, he will you at the line of scrimmage, which is always great to see. And obviously that's what Greg Williams wants. And that's kind of what they got later on in the draft too. As you mentioned, we'll get to that. The only reason I don't, I almost knocked it down to an A just because I don't know if you guys saw his video when he like, after he got drafted and like he was talking to the Jeff fans, he looks like a 16 year old. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you saw me. It looks like a child I did not But no I'm sticking with an A plus I think this is great I think it's a great value pick And uh, hopefully he can just come in Maybe not 2020 because he's still rehabbing But 2021 and be that day one starter
2: And at number 191 The Jets first sixth round pick They took Brayden Mann The punter out of Texas A&M Manish told us all this could happen. I knew they had wanted a new punter. They weren't satisfied with Lachlan Edwards. They had tried to get Sam Martin. He ended up not coming here. And so they focused on Braden Mann and decided to use one of those sixth round picks on him. And here it is. There were some people that were hating on this one. I'm fine with it. I know that punter's not a super important position, but this is the sixth round. You're typically going to be getting guys that are special teamers, that are part-time players, that are major injury risks or something. There's a reason these guys are there in the sixth. If Braden Mann can be the punter for the next decade, I'm cool with using pick number 191 on it. I'm not going to give them a super high grade just because it is a punter, but I think this is a B-minus pick. What do you think, Chris?
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go a little higher here. I can't, I can't go fully high because it's a a, a punter, but I'm gonna go with a, just an A, and I'm giving it an A because I think this is what the sixth round is for. Uh, sometimes you find you can find somebody, you know, slipping through the cracks at a more important position. But I like the idea of using your sixth and seventh round picks on a guy for you know special teams, whether it's punter or kicker or even if you can, you know, think that you have like a Matthew Slater type uh, special teamer uh, gunner type situation. I like using those picks on those guys just because I like having the peace of mind to be like, okay, we got this guy. We don't have to worry about this position for the next couple of years. Obviously, we'll have to wait to see how. He actually kicks in NFL games. But watching him, the, the cannon he has on his leg, how good he is at directional kicking, uh, I just, I love it. That when you can, if you can find somebody like that and identify him in the sixth or seventh round, and then you don't have to worry about it. We've seen this uh, you know, over the last couple of years with uh, kickers, rotating kickers in and out. They let Jason Myers go, which I thought was a good thing not to pay for uh, that type of money for an outlier year. And I get that. You don't want to invest that type of money in somebody, especially somebody you don't trust. But we're talking about a six-round pick here. And if they're comfortable and thinking, okay – we got our punter now, at least for the next couple of years, and then figure it out down the road. I like that instead of having to be sitting here continually rotating guys in and out, trying to figure it out. Uh, you, you kind of saw last year they, they were like putting off, making any real critical decision on the kicker situation, and then all of a sudden the – season starts and it's like oh my god we don't have anybody who can kick and they they're cutting people one week and they're signing somebody else and then having to cut them and that gets you into uh, too much of a pickle so there's a a middle ground here of not going too hard and spending too much money on these positions but also not just ignoring it until the last minute and the peace of mind this gives me for just being like okay they got their punter now now you don't have to really think about it again for years.
2: Clayton, I know that this wasn't the most popular pick, but to me, they got a useful guy, somebody that could be a long-term starter, even if it's at a very unimportant position relative to the rest of the positions on the field. I gave it a B minus. Chris went higher than that. Where do you fall?
4: Yeah, I'm actually going B minus as well. Uh, I I like I like the pick. Uh, I do because they obviously needed a punter and Braden Mann just so happens to be the best punter in the draft. And he won the 2018 Gray Guy Award. Uh, he, I guess apparently he had a down 2019, but the talent's there, and Pat McAfee approved, so I approved. But <laughs> I, I'm not giving it a B just because there were some guys that I would have taken. Uh, three receivers in particular, Isaiah Hodgins, who I had in the top 100. I had K.J. Hill with an early fourth-round grade, and I had James Proche with an early fifth-round grade. So, or sorry, Crochet. I would have taken any one of those three guys um, because I I really thought they needed to get two receivers in this deep receiver class. Um, but I don't hate the pick just because a punter is still like, it's still part of the team and you know, like, they're, they're there for a reason. You need a good punter, especially unfortunately, especially for a team that punts so much. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the pick. I'm sticking with the B minus. Um, I almost went incomplete with this one just because I. Don't know too much about him, but I'll, I'll go with a B minus and be comfortable with that.
2: As Luke Grant joked on the show last night, if Gase continues to run his offense the way that he did in 2019, you're going to see a lot of braided men in 2020, and he will earn that rookie paycheck. As we head to the last sixth round pick that the Jets had, number 211. This is the Darren Lee pick. And they traded this one to the Colts. Some more Jets Colts willing and dealing. The immortal Rex Hogan getting another deal done for the Jets here. As Quincy Wilson, the cornerback, comes over. The Colts had grown dissatisfied with him. They were looking to shop him. It's possible that he could have gotten released. But because the Jets didn't want to have to compete with other teams to get him... Or wait to see if they would be able to snatch him on the waiver wire They gave up a pick that I think is really a very insignificant pick You're not generally going to get anybody other than, like we said, a special teamer Or some sort of part-time player at 211 Wilson has a lot of upside He's only 23, been in the league three years already Second-round pick out of Florida back in 2017 And actually was fairly productive in 2017 and 2018 They were expecting him to take a real step forward in 2019 That's a big part of why Nate Hairston became expendable And they traded him to the Jets For a conditional pick That they never ended up getting Because Hairston didn't meet the conditions But Quincy Wilson was somebody That they thought was going to be A long-term answer there In that secondary And unfortunately that did not happen. They soured on him, and they end up trading him to the Jets. But there's a lot of upside there. Clayton, I know you have a ton to say about this because Quincy Wilson's another Florida player. But it's interesting now because you've got three guys that were on the Colts very recently. Nate Hairston, Pierre Desir, and now Quincy Wilson that are in that secondary. So it's almost like the Jets are raiding the Colts secondary here. I like this move a lot. I'm going to give it a B plus only because there are some questions about Wilson, but I think part of it is he's just a really bad fit. For what the Colts did when they switched their defense in 2019 He's a lot better for what Greg Williams likes to do He's good in press So I think this will work out really well I think Wilson will come in and compete for the starting job right away And for the cost of the 211th pick You really can't ask for much more than that Let's be honest It would be hard to do worse than Darren Lee Who they traded for this pick in the first place So I'm going to give this a B plus Chris, what do you think? Higher or lower?
3: I'm going right the same, B+. plus. Uh, I I I like this move. Again, I said that with the punter that that's what I think these rounds are for. It's also for trading for uh, vet players. Uh, now, this wasn't the Ravens trading a fifth for Clay as Campbell. This wasn't anything quite at that level. But I think with Quincy, Quincy Wilson, you saw – the the scheme change in Indianapolis really uh, had a negative effect on him. I think he'll be a much better fit here with the Jets and Greg Williams' defense. Um, and, again, like you said, and like I was, you look around at what you're going to get at, in the sixth round, and if you can go ahead and get somebody like Quincy Wilson, especially at a position of need, uh, to come in – and you know they've had a, a bunch of new faces there now between Desir, Bryce Hall, Quincy Wilson. Now they still have Blesson Austin there. So there's going to be a, a bunch of bodies there, and you got to hope that one or two of them shake free and uh, show you something. So again, it's about the whole process of it. I like that you know he probably sat that Joe Douglas sat there looked at his board. And was like, you know, I don't value any of these people and what they can do for me this year and going forward more than what I can get out of Quincy Wilson. So go ahead and flip that pick. And then also just to keep the tradition going. We, we got to keep this Colts tradition going. I know Rex Hogan's <laughs> bringing a lot of guys too, but the, the Colts and the Jets getting these uh, annual draft day trades are, are, are something you got to look forward to every year at this point.
2: Clayton, I think that what Chris said is right about using these late round picks. You can use them to get players on special teams, part-time players, or you can flip them. And I think that you can flip them for veterans or you can use them to move up and down the draft board. This is a classic case of flipping a late-round pick for a veteran that you think is more useful to you than the team that has him believes he is to them. And I know you like Quincy Wilson a lot, and you're happy to have him here. Heck, they've got a whole bunch of Gators here now, so you must be extremely happy. Talk to me a little bit about your grade here and what you think about the acquisition of Quincy Wilson.
4: No, I love it. I and mean, Chris kind of nailed it. I think these sixth and seventh round picks are used for mostly special teamers. Because uh, if you look at it, most of these guys won't pan out. Like there's maybe what, I, I think I'm being kind of generous here when I say 10% of these picks pan out in, like, in the future. So I, I like using a glorified seventh round pick, considering they're only three picks away from the seventh round to get a guy that was just picked in the second round just a couple years ago. And not only that, like, yeah, he's coming off a down year with the Colts, but he's going into a defensive system that fits his style. He's another guy, just like Bryce Hall, long, lengthy corner, who be physical. He's not the the most athletic, but he will get in your face. And obviously he's a Gator. I love this. I'm giving it an A. Uh, (laughs) It's this one, maybe a little biased, but I don't really care at this point. This is my third Gator. I love it. So, <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm New York today. Gators I, at this point
4: Yeah, we got yeah, six Gators I mean, this is, this is I guess Gator Nation in the NFL Who knows, but <laughs> I, I, I do like it, I do like taking the chance Because obviously we, like, Brian Poole is our best corner, but he's a nickel So the, the two starting Outside spots are kind of up for grabs It could be Pierre Desir, it could be uh, Bless Austin, it could be Arthur Millet It could be Quincy Wilson, it, it could be A bunch of guys so why like why not take the chance? I like it. There's only one other guy I would have taken here since Prince Tego Winogo just went off the board. So I, I I'm more than okay with this.
2: so, yesterday we gave you our grade for the Jets picks in rounds one through three, and then gave you our favorite picks league wide rounds one through three. Today we just gave you our grades for the Jets picks rounds four through six, and now we're going to give you our favorite picks. Rounds four through seven Of course we only gave you four through six with the Jets Because of the fact that they had no seventh round picks But we are going to talk about a couple of picks that we liked in the seventh round When we left off yesterday We finished up with our favorite and least favorite picks from the third round Let's move to round number four I'm going to talk about some players that I really like Shadiq Charles going to the Redskins at 108 I know that there are some risks there in terms of character And And I know that he still needs some work, but a lot of upside there. Perhaps he's the long-term replacement for Trent Williams, Darnay Holmes, the slot corner going to the Giants at 110. I like that pick a lot. I hate having to praise the Giants, but I actually think they had a very good draft here. I was a big fan of the pick at number 124, which was the Steelers taking Anthony McFarland. I would have taken him over LaMichael P. Ryan, But I think he has a chance to be really really good In Pittsburgh Talk of character concerns But Mike Tomlin should be able to keep him in check there oh. A couple of others that I also liked a lot Include Amik Robertson, the slot corner from Louisiana Tech, going to the Raiders at 139. That's somebody that I said I would compare favorably to Ray Mickens, and Ray Mickens was one of the better slot corners that you would have seen back in his time. I like Antonio Gandy-Golden a lot going to the Redskins, so they get another weapon there for Haskins to try and prove himself. Ben Bredesen, the guard from Michigan, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Another perfect Ravens pick. I could totally see him eventually being a starter guard there. And Tyler as the center from Wisconsin. I know there's injury concerns there, but I think he could jump in right away and start and take the place of Travis Frederick. So that's a really good case of getting a high-level player to fill a need. And then there were a couple that I wasn't entirely crazy about, but one that stuck out to me. Joshua Kelly, the running back from UCLA at one 12 to the chargers i like kelly but that seems pretty high to me i don't know about him especially over mcfarland and a couple of other running backs that i think were better so that's one that i thought was questionable there were a few but mostly i thought there were some really good value picks each of these rounds really had a lot of value this was a pretty good draft chris what do you think round four what are your thoughts
3: yeah again i got a lot of the same names as you the at the top of my list though my favorite here is anthony mcfarland jr <clears throat> That's somebody that I thought the Jets should go after, and I really, really like. Think he's going to be really good coming out of this. I like well, again what Washington did. I, I like the swing, Shadique Charles there, and I like getting um Antonio Gandhi Golden. Uh, I I like Tyler Beadaz. Get getting a Wisconsin offensive lineman this late in the draft is is a pretty good bet usually. Um, so yeah. It, I, I really like those picks. Uh, I like the Gabriel Davis pick to the Bills as well. And then really the picks I don't like, uh, James Morgan. Oh, yeah, we're, we're not talking about the Jets. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's not too much here. Uh, I, I wasn't a huge uh, fan of Solomon Kinley at Georgia, the Dolphins pick, or John Simpson, the Clemson guard that went to the Raiders. Those are probably the two names that stick out to me the most.
2: Clayton, who stuck out to you?
4: Yeah, and you guys hit a lot of them that I did like. Uh, I just want to hit on a couple, though. I did like, I really liked Kevin Dotson going to uh, Pittsburgh at 135. Kind of hit on him a little earlier. Uh, he was his, he was a right guard at Louisiana, right next to Robert Hunt. He's a big guy. He's not the most athletic, but he will run you over. He he's a power dude, and I I think he's going to fit in great with that with that offense. Uh, just throw Benny Snell back there and let him work. Uh, I like Josiah Scott. He's very similar to I mean Robertson from Michigan State. A little bit of a smaller dude. He's going to play a slot at the next level. Uh, Jacksonville, they're, they're trying to rework that, that defensive secondary. They drafted C.J. Henderson. Uh, I think they like Trey Herndon as well on the outside, and then you can just throw Jesse, uh, Josiah Scott uh, right in the nickelback back uh, position. And as for ones that I don't like, a couple, I, the, this round was actually really good in terms of value. Uh, but there were a couple that I didn't really like. Charlie Heck, uh, I had a seventh round grade on him, I believe. I also, as as a Kelvin Harmon stan, I don't like the Antonio <laughs> Gandy golden pick because I hope that doesn't get into his snaps.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Next up is round number five. Let's talk about who we liked in this particular round. I like the Giants getting Shane Lemieux, the guard from Oregon. I hate praising the Giants. I have to keep saying it, but I really don't like praising the Giants. But I think he's a guy that at worst is a swing guard. At best, maybe at some point he becomes a starter. But I like that pick a lot at number 150. I also really dug the pick of Nick Harris, the center from Washington, going to the Browns at 160. That's someone I really would have considered for the Jets in the fourth round. I know he didn't do great at the senior bowl, but I think that once you put him on a line with other players that can help protect his weaknesses, he could be a really solid center or guard. Curtis Weaver, the edge rusher from Boise State. I know he's not super gifted athletically, but I think he could be a really solid edge rusher. And for this point in the draft, a really nice pick. Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver from Minnesota, going at 161 to the Bucks. That's somebody I also would have considered in the fourth round, as well as Colin Johnson, the wide receiver from Texas, who went 165 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So a lot of value there. Jason Huntley, the running back from New Mexico State, that's a guy that I think is better than a couple of the running backs that went ahead of him, so I really like that. Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver from Tulane at 173, really, really fast kid. Think he's got a chance to be a real bargain. And then, one of the biggest steals of the draft, I think, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in Dallas. He was the last pick in the fifth round, number 179. Bradley Anai, who I think very easily could have gone mid to late third round, his limited athletic ceiling is what held him back a little bit, but I think he can come in and contribute right away. There were some names that I didn't love. One off the top of my head here is Kamal Martin, the linebacker from Minnesota, going 175 to Green Bay. Like you said, Clayton, I just did not like what Green Bay did in this draft, and that was another example of it. Chris, what'd you think? Who'd you like? Who'd you not like in round number five?
3: Yeah, well, I like pretty much all the names that you mentioned again. I'll stick with Shane Lemieux and then. Um Having the, the Nick Nick Harris and Tyler Johnson as my standouts there. I I really like Tyler Johnson. I I thought he would have gone higher. I know there's some concerns there, but I I really like him as a player. So that's the top of my list. And then you know there's a couple players here I could say I, I'm not a big fan of, but I'm just gonna go with Jake Fromm. And I know that at this point, fifth round backup quarterback, whatever, but. Uh, I, I watched that, uh, whatever, I forget what show it was, QB1 or whatever he was on when he was in high school. I've been following him since that show. And, I, you know, I sit there and every time I think, hey, he's not that bad. I'm like, yeah, no, never mind. Uh, I just, he just, I just not a, a fan of uh, Jake Fromm as the player. So uh, I'm going to go with that as my big dislike.
2: Clayton, what are your thoughts here in the fifth round? Well, the best pick in the fifth round was Easily Bryce
4: Hall, um, but if we're not, since we're not talking about the Jets, I'll uh, I, I we kind of hit on a lot of them. Bradley and I was a really good one, great value. Uh, Curtis Weaver, I wasn't a huge fan of his game, but in the middle of the fifth round, like you can't you can't argue with that. I think it, I think his bad body made him fall this far, but apparently he had an illness in the preseason that didn't allow him to work out uh, leading up to the 2019 season, so maybe that has something to do with it. But if not, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think it's fine value for, for where they got him. Um, I also really like uh, – one that a lot of people don't know about is Isaiah Coulter, uh, the Rhode Island receiver. Uh, Houston took him at 171. He's a, he's a tall, speedy dude. I, obviously, he's not going to replace DeAndre Hopkins, and he might be a little closer to like a Will Fuller type. But I still do like the, uh, like the pick at 171, good value. And then, as for the ones I didn't like, I mean, I'm only going to stick with one. It's the Justin Ror- Ror- Wasser, uh, the kicker
3: that <laughs>
4: plays Goskowski. I don't know why they're taking these weird last names as their kickers, but in the fifth round, you're not you're not taking a kicker. I mean, I, obviously, you, Justin Tucker went undrafted. Adam and Terry went undrafted. The best kickers in the history of the NFL went undrafted. I don't understand the, the point here. You can still get a good player especially New England, who lost a lot of pieces this offseason. I I don't understand the pick.
2: I'll defend that one a little bit because you got to remember also Janikowski, who is an excellent kicker, was picked in the first round. I think that if there's a guy that you really, really like, and the Patriots had plenty of picks, and certainly they're going to be in a lot of close games, if they think this kid can be their kicker for the next 10 to 15 years, we've seen enough bad kicking here with the Jets to know that that's a fairly valuable commodity. Not valuable enough necessarily to pick a guy In the premium rounds, but here in the fifth, I don't think it's the end of the world. In the sixth round, a couple of guys that I like, Natani Muti, the guard from Fresno State, granted a lot of injury concerns there, but he's very talented, so this is where you take a stab at a guy like that. Donovan Peoples-Jones, a wide receiver from Michigan, going 187 to the Browns, very talented kid, never quite put it all together at Michigan, but... For this spot in the draft in the sixth round, I think that's an absolute steal. Justin Herron, the guard from Wake Forest, going to the Patriots at 195. It's a guy that could eventually become, at worst, a swing guard, and at best, maybe he eventually turns into a starter. I really like the pick of Isaiah Hodgins, the wide receiver from Oregon State to the Bills at 207. Not super fast or flashy, but really good hands, finds ways to get open, and I think at worst, he could be a pretty solid fourth or fifth receiver, which is good value here in the sixth round. Pretty Prince this is somebody who some people thought could go at the end of day two or the beginning of day three and steady slips all the way to 210 with the Eagles Good value there So I like all of those guys And then a player that Coach Nigel Burton mentioned As a potential sleeper When he came on the show to talk about Pac-12 prospects Desmond Patman The wide receiver from Washington State Going at 212 to the Indianapolis Colts Again we're talking about the end of the sixth round So if you feel like you can get a guy Who might be able to contribute something Or at least be a piece down the line That's certainly pretty. Proper value at 212. Chris, how about you? Who'd you like and not like in round number six?
3: Yeah, I'm going to skip the not likes here. There's a, a bunch of names I'm not per, uh, too familiar with. And uh, I'm going to skip some of the, the likes just to uh, save time. I'm just going to tell you, I love the Donovan People Jones pick. Uh, I, I just thought that was great. And then I really liked uh, Prince Tega, wanna go home, uh p- pick there uh, for the Eagles late. That uh, I think that's a, a great opportunity and chance to take a swing on him and his upside but that's it it's him and uh the donovan people's jones i just think for the browns right there that's that's a great place for him to land and that late uh pretty good value
2: clayton if i may quote leonardo dicaprio do you concur
3: yes yes i (laughs) concur donovan (laughs) people's jones that's
4: that's a great value pick there uh I i would have taken him in the fourth round fifth round uh so brown's getting him this late Great value. Uh, another value pick I really like you kind of hit on, Isaiah Hodgins. He was ranked literally right next to Donovan Peoples-Jones on my big board. So the fact that he fell even further is even more of a shock um, in my mind. Uh, a couple others I liked. I liked Antoine Brooks uh, to Pittsburgh this late. Uh, James Prochet, uh, SMU receiver going to Baltimore. They needed another slot receiver. They got one. So they could kind of just mix and match with Duvernay and Prochet. Uh, and then another receiver. Uh, I know I'm going to a lot of receivers, but Freddie Swain, another Florida product. Uh, I think I think what he can provide in Seattle. It's unfortunate. I don't know if he'll be able to get past some of the guys on the receiver depth chart, but he does provide on special teams as well. So I do like the pick. You might as well take a chance because he will contribute. Maybe not on offense, but he will contribute, and which is kind of all you ask for out of a sixth round pick. And as for the ones I don't like. I'm just gonna stick on special teams, Blake Ferguson. Why in the world are you taking a long snapper? Not only in the in the draft, but in the early sixth round. Makes zero sense. You're taking a long snapper over Donovan peoples Jones. Nope, not no. Nothing is okay <laughs> with that.
2: I can't believe that you would say something like that and disrespect the great Thomas Hennessy. How dare you, sir? He's been the cornerstone of the Jets franchise the last couple of years. In fact, I would say a fan favorite even. So for you to say no, the I long should not be picked in the sixth round, I we will not for stand for this. We traded for him, though, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving to the seventh round, wrapping things up. A couple of guys I really love. K.J. Hill at 220. I have no idea why he was still on the board. I know there were some questions about his ceiling, but at 220, wow. And Eno Benjamin at 222. I don't know what this guy did. I don't know anything about off-the-field stuff. In fact, everything I heard was positive. He was a team captain, really good athlete, somebody that could make plays in the passing game. And explosive in the running game. No injuries that I'm aware of. So I have no idea why the heck he fell all the way to 222. But he stays in Arizona. Went to school at Arizona State. Now will stay in Arizona with the Cardinals. I also really liked... The pick of Casey Tuhill at 233 for the Eagles. I don't know that he's going to be anything special, but at that point in the draft, he's at least somebody that could be a useful piece, potentially. Jonathan Garvin is an edge that could have gone a couple rounds earlier. I know there were question marks about him, but still again, at 242, to get an edge rusher that might be able to give you anything is a big win as far as I'm concerned. And then the one name that stuck out to me that I really didn't like, and again, it's a seventh round, so you can't really get too worked up about it. Nate Stanley, the quarterback from Iowa. Iowa. I just don't think he's any good at all I wouldn't have drafted him I wouldn't even have signed him as an undrafted free agent But then again, like I said, 7th round So not that big of a deal Chris, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I'm just going to go with the two guys I, I really liked is K.J. Hale and Eno Benjamin For my don't like I, Can we get rid of the Mr. Irrelevant thing? Just <laughs> like, I, I hate that hey, these players, at that point You'd rather not get drafted uh, you get a chance to get uh, paid a little bit more bonus-wise by going on You get to pick your team. You're sitting there talking to agents, your agent, and they're talking to teams. And then you get snatched up as the last pick of the draft. And then we got to kind of like embarrass you about it and call it Mr. Irrelevant. Can we just get rid of that whole I- I- idea? And, yeah, so that, that's what I don't like about the last thing.
4: Yeah, kind of going on top of that, especially when you have to go to the Giants, it just makes it that much worse. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> but no, I mean, you you hit on KJ Hill, great value for the Chargers. Hit on Angel, Angel Benjamin. I can go on for days about how wrong it is that he fell to the seventh round. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to dive into that. But some other picks I really like, Dane Jackson, uh, really good value for the Buffalo Bills at 239, quarterback out of Pittsburgh. A bit of an older prospect, but... I think it's a really good pick. One that like I, I just like to see, not even like value-wise, but I like to see Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry getting drafted. I thought that was so cool. He's making the transition to running back. Um, I don't really know much about him. Like, I didn't scout him whatsoever. But just seeing a Navy quarterback get drafted, is I think is like, really cool. Uh, Steven Sullivan, tight end from LSU, actually went drafted, whereas Bad Moss didn't. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. And Tyree Cleveland, another another Gator receiver. Uh, He's not I don't know if he'll provide much on offense, but he's another special teamer and not not necessarily as a returner, but as a gunner, he he will get down the field and he'll be he'll be an instant impact player at that position.
2: And there you go, draft grades for the Jets and a full list of the picks that we liked and didn't like here in this 2020 NFL Draft. Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com, Clayton Smarslock of Coast to Coast Scouting. Thanks so much for joining me to go through all of this and unpack everything that we witnessed here On draft weekend it's one of the most fun weekends of the year if you're a huge football fan and unfortunately for Jets fans it's a little too much fun because the Jets always seem to be in a position where the draft is what you're looking forward to a little too early hopefully these picks that Joe Douglas made this weekend will help change that fortune Chris can be followed on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. You can read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. You can follow Clayton at CSMAR's NFL Draft on Twitter, and you can check out his work at Coast to Coast Scouting. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go.